This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Four-day weeks are popular. Who would not like a three-day weekend every seven days? It's like Labor Day every week in the year. Yeah, even teachers like this and students too. So we're seeing more and more ideas that schools should be just four days. Maybe you go 10 hours a day, four days, you get the same amount of time. Uh, according to one news report out there, over 2,000 schools in 26 states are already on a four-day week. This is the most excited I've been in my entire career, says the superintendent in President Truman's hometown of Independence, Missouri. President Truman's hometown, four-day school week. What would Harry, he was a hardworking farmer before he became a politician. Yeah, what would he think of that? So in Massachusetts, we have the Brockton school system with more than 14,000 students declaring that they're going to have a four-day work week. And he says that it's a way to recruit teachers. Uh, they just love the idea of going to work four days a week. Well, Nolan Pope, an economist at the University of Maryland, and his colleague show that adolescents suffer when shifted to a shorter school schedule or a change school schedule that has longer work days but fewer days. The changes aren't as extreme as the four-day week, but they point in a disturbing direction nonetheless. So the paper's just been released at a conference sponsored by the National Bureau for Economic Research. Uh, the paper's focused on Los Angeles, and today I have with me Nolan Pope, uh, who's agreed to discuss these findings on the Education Exchange. So thank you, Nolan, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. I'm delighted to be here. Well, Nolan, we want to dig into your methodology because we want to be sure that this is not due to something else and, and not to a difference in schedules. But uh, can you first tell our listeners what uh, your findings were with respect to student learning uh, once they shifted to a schedule where you had a longer school day and fewer days in the year. Yeah, so our study is being done in Los Angeles. And during this time period, about 20% of the schools were on a non-traditional school calendar, where instead of having a long summer break, they would break up the school day and they'd break up the school year into a bunch of smaller breaks. But then more importantly, they would also, for many of the schools, have a longer school day as well and fewer school days throughout the year. So what we find is that particularly school schedules that have a longer school day um, particularly hurt older students, students in kind of um, ninth through 12th grade, and had very little impact on younger students. So in particular, we're finding that, you know, longer school days have these negative impacts on adolescent students. Well, um, that's all very interesting. we got to unpack that. But you found some effects on teachers, too. What were the effects on teachers? Yeah, so kind of opposite of what the four-day school week was saying is that um, having longer school days were also not liked by teachers as well. Teachers were more likely to leave the school when they were on school days that were longer. In L.A., they didn't reduce it all the way down to just four days a week. They were still doing five days a week, but they were having fewer school days throughout the year. But by having these longer school days, more teachers, about a 15% increase in teacher turnover was occurring. Now, you get this different effect uh, for the elementary and the high schools. So just 
Could you elaborate on that a little bit, why you think that might be the case? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that we find is when we're looking at attendance, um, actually having a longer school day didn't impact the attendance for older kids. It actually only decreased the attendance for younger kids. However, the younger kids saw no change in their test scores or their performance. Um, for the older kids, we find quite large reductions in their test scores. So it's about the same as reducing teacher quality by a standard deviation uh, or similar to kind of other big interventions as having these longer school days are really negatively affecting these older students. We think there's a couple reasons as to why. We think that maybe a third to almost a half of the effect is coming from just starting schools earlier. When you have a longer school day, oftentimes some of that time is going to be coming from having to start school earlier so kids can still be doing their extracurricular activities after school before it gets dark and before they need to be going home. So part of the effect was going to be coming from starting school earlier, which there's a large literature in the economics research that earlier start times tend to really hurt older students more than younger students. So we think that's one of the mechanisms this is happening. Another mechanism that we think is happening is that by having the longer school day and fewer of them, it's harder for kids to be doing additional work or homework at home, is that they're already tired from the longer school day, there's fewer days to be assigned homework, and they're going to just start to have this crunch in time during the day so that they're able to do less on any given school day, which oftentimes we think might be um, taking away from their at-home study time or any amount of homework they're doing at home as well. So, Nolan, when was this study done? And I mean, for what? I, I know you just recently have reported the results, but what's the time period that you're looking at here? And how is it possible to actually study this question? What was going on in Los Angeles? Yeah, so this is kind of a, a little bit ago, is that in the 1990s, the Los Angeles School District had a large increase in the number of students that were coming into the school district. And so they started getting crunched for space. And so during the 90s, they started adding a lot of these non-traditional calendars, which would have multiple tracks. So multiple kids would be going to school at the same time, and they would be going year-round. And this allowed them to have more kids in each given school to be able to address the crowding issues that they were having. However, in the 2000s, they had built more schools and they were having a reduction in their student populations. So they started switching from these um, year-long calendars and these longer school days into the more traditional school calendars. So about 200 of the schools in LA during this time, or about 20% of the schools, made this switch between 2004 and 2012. And so in our paper, what we do is we use the timing for when a school switched from one of these longer school day, non-traditional calendars to a traditional calendar and are able to look at how the test scores of the kids changed before and after that switch relative to schools that never made these switches. Yeah, but maybe these schools that uh, that's were under the pressure of these new calendars differed from the ones that weren't. So how do you make sure that you don't attribute to the school calendar something that might be also different about these schools in Los Angeles? Yeah, you're exactly right, Paul, is that um, when, you're, when you look at these schools, the schools that had higher levels of minority students had lower test scores, 
were the schools that were more likely to be on these non-traditional calendars. So it seems like it even these ne- these calendars even more negatively affected the lowest performing of students. Um, but what we're able to do is we're able to actually, within our methodology, look at it exactly the same student before and after um, this school change happened. So we can compare a student to themselves, actually, before and after the, the change in the school calendar. This allows us to be able to you know, get rid of a lot of the different concerns that you might have about having these students be lower performing just in, in baseline because we're comparing themselves to themselves. Well, that all makes sense. The only concern that remains in the back of my mind is that maybe it was uh, a new building arrived or there was less crowding or something happened that made it possible to make the change just when the change was actually made that really could be the driving force here for the improved performance. Yeah, you're exactly right, is that the schools were seeing changing and they're crowding around this time. One of the things that we do in the paper is that we look at all the schools that change. Some of them had larger changes in the number of students at the school. Some had less change. And we can compare the results for those that were more or less crowded. And we find very similar results across all the different crowding levels. So both the really crowded schools and the less crowded schools all saw changes in their test scores when they made the shift. Right. So basically what you're showing here is that if you return to the traditional calendar, that's when you get some positive effects. So you haven't really shown that you get negative effects of going to the bad calendar uh, because that's happened before the data was available to you. So you think that if you had looked at the other way around, you would have gotten the same thing? Yeah, we suspect that we would. It's hard to know for sure. We can only see the switching going from one direction to the other. Um, one one thing that we find within our data as well is that it's, it seems like a lot of the effect is happening because of the longer school day, not by kind of how the days are distributed throughout the year. There's another um, paper by um, uh, two other researchers, McMullen and Rouse in North Carolina, as they look at the other direction. They look when, when schools switch from a traditional calendar to one of these year-long calendars but they don't find any effect. And that's largely because they don't actually extend the school day. It seems like the real big impact for the students is having the longer school day that's really negatively impacting them. Yeah, well, that's persuasive to me. Uh, However, there is this other change that occurs at the same time. As I recall, the, the summer got, you know, the traditional way of doing things is you get the summer off. And uh, it could be because of air conditioning, as you say in the paper. I, yeah. I coming from Minnesota, rural Minnesota, I like to think of you know in the summertime you had to uh, you had to get the crops in, or you had yep. to weed the crops, or you had to take care of the farm animals. So, well, uh, whatever it was, you know, we've now you know generally close the schools down in June and open them up in late August or early September. So. Um, is switching away from that familiar summer recess? I know there's a lot of literature out there that worries about, you know, the summer fall off or kids forget everything they've learned over the course of the summer. Uh, and therefore, you should get rid of this summer uh, break. But uh, maybe the summer break is what's really driving this, uh, making it, uh, uh, you know, kids more eager to learn. Yeah, that's great. My my parents grew up in Idaho, and they had they had potato harvest off from school as well. 
Um, so what we what we see in the paper is that we actually have two different types of calendars in the paper. One type where they they change from having the long summer break to having a bunch of smaller breaks throughout the year. What we might think of as kind of a normal year long round calendar. Um, the other one also was year round. But they then reduced the number of days and made the days long, each school day longer. And what we find is that when you switch from having a year round to having just the traditional long summer, that had no impact on students. But when you switch from the year round and the longer days to the traditional um, long summer, that's where you really see the impact. This lines up with a lot of other research that shows that the year round calendar doesn't seem to be impacting um, students very much. Um, this is similar to, again, the McMullen paper, but also work by Paul Van Hippel and things, is that it doesn't appear that when the school days are distributed throughout the year really impacts students very much. It's really more about how each day is put together. As you mentioned, there was a lot of concern for a while about this um, summer learning loss, is that during the summer, students you know, forget what they learn during school, it's a long three-month window, and oftentimes come back to school and have forgotten much of their much of the things that they learned in math, particularly. And there does appear to be this summer learning loss. But if if you spread that out to having several breaks throughout the school year, you seem to get the same amount of loss from not being in school, even when it's spread out more evenly across the year. Well, that's uh, that's all fascinating, but maybe it's extracurriculars because the thing that occurred to me that you didn't discuss in your paper was that uh, if you're going to have a longer school day, it may be uh, difficult to um, you know get all those uh, sports programs in, theater, drama, art, uh, music, all those things that go into making for a great high school, and you know, and you see the biggest effects on the high school kids here. So maybe it's taking away their extracurriculars that could be having this effect. Is that possible? Yeah, we, we have less good data on extracurricular. This is generally true in the U.S. We don't see that the schools changed any of their programs. They didn't get rid of their soccer, um, their soccer team. They didn't get rid of their chess club. They didn't do these types of things. So they seem to have the same number of extracurricular activities. The way the schools often change their schedules to make this work was by putting most of the extra time at the beginning of the day. So the days in our in our paper were extended by, the school day was extended by 40 minutes. And typically at least 30 of those minutes were put in earlier in the day. So starting 30 minutes earlier and only went 10 minutes later. And this was to be able to make sure that the extracurricular activities were able to function as they were before. Um, however, as you, as I mentioned earlier, and as you can see is that those extracurriculars might not quite be as enjoyable or useful for the kids after such a long day or after not getting as much sleep. So it may affect the quality of those extracurricular activities for the kids, although we don't have very good evidence one way or the other for that. But you don't see anything for the elementary school kids. And, and it's true that uh, younger children can wake up bright and early in the morning and be uh, ready to go. I've, I've yep, I have that. I have three kids, three <laughs> young kids that did that for me this morning. <laughs> so, so I guess that makes sense. But is there, uh, you know, uh, any other reason? But they don't go to school. There's absenteeism rate is greater among these younger kids. So that seems like a puzzle there. 
How yeah, did it does. Do as well as less school. Yep, the kids, the younger kids, they go to school almost one day less per year and do just as well. We think what's going on is that, especially when you move, we see this in some of the other researches, when you move from a, a long summer break to having, you know, smaller breaks throughout the year, people tend to tend to be absent a little bit more because oftentimes there's things that are happening during the summer that um, parents want to be able to take their kids to, whether it's a family reunion or some, some type of, you know, 4th of July activity or things like that. Oftentimes there's other activities that are happening during the summer where parents are willing to pull their kids out of school to go to. This seems to be more the case for younger kids than it is for older kids. Parents tend to be less willing to do that for their older kids than for the younger kids. I know I, I'm, I'm personally that same way is that for my younger kids, I'm more willing to give up one school day to be able to have a fun activity. Yeah, and besides, those older kids don't want to go to this family reunion anyhow. Just <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. Time with their friends, but the uh, the question, and it's only just one day, so it's yeah, it's it not may be much. that it's not a big enough change to uh, really have uh, a detectable effect. Yeah, um, that's correct. So, your policy recommendation with the uh, with this new idea? Is yeah, I think. Throw I think a lot of the policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a bad idea to be trying to force a lot of time on the kids at any given day. I think this is true. You can, as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, is as is the four day the four day school week is 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 a policy that's similar to that. Not quite the exact same as what we're seeing in the four day school week. They're off sometimes also changing the amount of instructional hours or how instruction is given, whether virtual or not. But I think we just have to be wary about trying to get too much stuff into one day for students, especially older students. And so part of what, we, what we'd see is that not starting schools quite as early is going to be partially beneficial, especially for the older kids. And then also trying to make sure that we have enough of the stuff spread out for the students for them to be able to succeed. So in general, um, we right now in the U.S., about two million kids each year are on one of these non-traditional calendars. Some of those aren't the longer school day; they're just spread out more evenly throughout the year. And I don't think our policy would recommend that we change that very much. But some of them, including many of these four-day um, these four-day school weeks, they're squishing a lot more instructional time into a given day. And we, our, our policy recommendation would be just not to do that, um, not to move in that direction, which, as you mentioned, since the pandemic, many people are trying to do. Um, oftentimes, these policies are being used as a way of saving money since the pandemic and also trying to catch up for learning, that the learning loss that occurred during the pandemic. And so I think our, our policy would be not to take those steps and to reverse as many of these other non-traditional school calendars as possible. Well, thank you, Nolan. It's a fascinating study that you've uh, prepared. And uh, I know that a lot of parents will be applauding to hear that there's some research evidence that this proposal is a bad idea because a four-day school week means lots of kids in the household for a three-day weekend. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> parents may <laughs> not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's correct. Um, one of the things that we've always loved with our study is that it also shows that teachers don't like these longer school days as well. And so 
sometimes these policies are put into place to try to um, be more beneficial to teachers, but it's not clear that it's something that teachers are wanting either. And pretty clear it's something that parents don't particularly want, most parents at least. Well, thank you, Nolan, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking with Nolan Pope, a professor of economics at the University of Maryland. He is co-author of a new paper entitled Schedule-Driven Productivity, Evidence for Non-Traditional School Calendars, a paper recently presented at a conference of the National Bureau for Economic Research. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time.